Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth-building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought-provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. So good morning, everybody. For those of you that do not know me, my name is Tyler Sheff. I am the host of the Cash Flow Guys podcast. The Cashflow Guys podcast is a podcast about investing in real estate for long-term wealth. We are not the type of people that are going to teach you the guru $50,000 and we'll teach you how to flip a house type game. That Cashflow Guys podcast is out there for the public, for education. It's absolutely free of charge, always will be. We started Coffee with the Cashflow Guys back a few months ago as a way for us to, for me to interact directly with my audience on the podcast. The podcast has grown exponentially over the last couple of months. And a lot of my audience wanted to be able to reach out. Good morning, Jocelyn. Good morning, Irvin. Good morning, Shafiq. And good morning, Richard. Wanted to reach out and talk to me directly, have a venue, a way to answer, ask questions to me live so I could get them answers to them because I was so behind in my email. They wanted me to be able to keep up. So, Coming soon, and I'll talk about this towards the end of the show, uh, coming soon in the first week of May, we actually signed paperwork yesterday. We are going to be, Coffee with the Cashflow Guys is going to become a weekly TV show. More information is going to follow on that. You will be able to go to my website and watch it live. You'll also be able to watch it on YouTube and, and several other uh, resources. We're going to be in a studio. It's going to be professionally produced, so you're not going to have to deal with my technological blunders and all the other good stuff that you probably become used to and tend to expect. I got something for you. We're going to try to do it right this time. How about that? So uh, today is April 7th. The topic, this is the third part of a three-part series on raising private capital. For those of you on Facebook, those of you on Periscope, looks like we're up to about almost 800 people so far between all channels watching this morning. If you are not on the Zoom session, which I know most of you are not, and you want to see the replays, to this episode or any of the previous episodes, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash coffee. That's cashflowguys.com forward slash coffee. That's going to allow you to register and you'll be able to see all of the past episodes. Uh, well, like I said, we've been doing it since January and uh, lots of episodes out there for you to take on. So today, as I said a minute ago, we were talking about raising private capital. This is something near and dear to my heart. It's how we buy my wife, my partners, and I, how we acquire our assets. We were fortunate enough, my wife and I, to escape the rat race a few years ago. What that means to some of you that don't know is that we don't have to work. Um, our passive income that comes from our investments exceeds our expenses. So the money we have coming in in rents, when it's all said and done, exceeds our expenses. And by having that, that means we don't have to go to work, punch a clock to make a dollar. Today, I've got a special guest, Cliff Hunt, with us here. Cliff is a syndication SEC compliance attorney. Welcome, welcome. A couple things I want to review with you. Things we hit on last week that are very, very, very important. When we are out raising capital, when we are taking steps to get, our, to get ourselves financially free, there is a right way to do things and there is a wrong way to do things. I'm going to cover that here in just a second on the slideshow. Lastly, before we get cracking on that, if you have not joined our Facebook group, go to cashflowguys.com forward slash group. The Facebook group is there. It is a absolutely free resource to help you take your investing to the next level. Uh, I am in there. All of the people that are featured on my podcast are in there. Cliff will be invited in there to, today. If you have questions, folks, go ahead. That is a place to go ask them and get them answered. So join us over at cashflowguys.com forward slash group. That is a Facebook group. And I just made that link to make it a little easier for you guys to find it. 
Again, this show for the next few weeks is going to be at nine o'clock Eastern time. Moving forward, it's when it becomes a live TV show. It'll be at 11 o'clock on Friday mornings, 11 o'clock Friday mornings. You will have the ability to call in over a regular telephone and ask questions. You're going to have the ability to come in by Zoom and you'll be able to watch it on several different media outlets. So it's going to grow exponentially. And again, if you are not watching on Zoom and you're watching on one of the multiple platforms that we're streaming to right now, you can go to cashflowguys.com forward slash coffee. Uh, that will register you for the links. We That also puts you on the email list. Those of you that are registered know we don't send spam emails. We don't send junk. We don't send garbage. When we have something that's important for you to know, information that you need to know to be successful and to keep yourself out of hot water, you will get an email. There is no sales pitch. There's no gimmick. There's nothing like that. So at this point, I'm going to introduce Cliff Hunt. Cliff is, has 30 years experience in securities and corporate regulation law. Cliff serves currently as one of our attorneys on staff with uh, Cashflow Guys. He's one of the, the preferred attorneys that we use. And when it comes to raising capital, you hear me on a regular basis say, consult your attorney, consult your attorney, consult your attorney. Uh, Cliff, we just added to the team here recently. He is helping us as our counsel on all things involving raising capital and also corporate law. Um, he was actually, the power of referrals is important, ladies and gentlemen. I've said this several times on the show. Cliff was referred to me by Sean Yesner. Many of you that have been on the show know Sean Yesner. Sean is our real estate attorney. Notice we have different attorneys for different things. Um, it is important that you hire an attorney that is a, that specializes in a certain niche of law. In other words, if you just hire a family law attorney, you probably shouldn't think about hiring a family law attorney or a probate attorney to help you with securities and exchange commission compliance. Not that they don't necessarily know what they're doing, but it's not something they they focus on. Okay. Attorneys like doctors or any other profession, they have specialties. They have things that they spend more of their time focusing on. The law is very broad. There's very, very many things that you can concentrate on as an attorney. In this case, close concentration revolves around corporate regulation law and securities. And Cliff, anything you want to add to that before we get started on a review? No, I think that pretty much covers it, Tyler. Folks, you that listen to the show know me. I don't make any moves without talking to consulting my legal team. My legal team and my taxation team are the most important elements of my team. They keep me out of hot water. They keep me compliant. They keep the IRS, Securities and Exchange Commission, Department of Finance and Insurance, FDLE, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. They keep all these different entities they keep me compliant with all the different regulations. When you raise money in real estate, especially when you cross state lines, that you involve federal law, state laws, sometimes local laws, whether you're buying or selling real estate, raising money, you involve different sets of laws. So it's important that you have good, solid, competent legal counsel. Now, we've kissed a lot of frogs along the way. We've met a few that, let's just say, are no longer uh, <laughs> under our employee, so to speak. Uh, for many various reasons, but the bottom line is when you find a good one and you find good team members, take the steps to make sure you keep them on board. Rely on them. When they prove that they are worthy of being relied upon, rely upon them. That's what they're here for. A lot of people I talk to all the, a lot of, on a regular basis say, well, I don't want to hire an attorney because it costs too much. Instead, they sign a contract they didn't understand to buy a property they don't understand and they get themselves in hot water. Folks, it does not. You'd be shocked how little it costs. Probably shouldn't say this to one of my attorneys on the phone or two of my attorneys on the phone, actually. I think Sean's on with us too. But it doesn't really cost as much as you might think to get some good, solid advice. Somebody that spent many years in college, somebody like Cliff has been 30 years studying law. I think there's a pretty good chance that he knows the law better than I do. I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but what I do is I surround myself with the experts and I pay them accordingly. So quickly here, we're going to talk about, I just want to do a quick review. A couple of the mistakes we make when we're raising capital, folks, it's being in a rush, okay? Everybody's been dying to say, well, how many, how many episodes are in this raising private capital thing? Because I want to get it all, and then I'm going to run out and raise capital. Stop. Don't do that. Don't be that guy that's in a rush, okay? I don't want to have to read about you in the newspaper. Raising capital is no joke. Talking to your investors, do not overpromise. About a week ago, two weeks ago, I was at a local RIA meeting and guy stands up at the RIA meeting and starts barking about how he can offer a, a, a I think it was a, a 
15% return to any investor that would invest in his project. And this guy doesn't know me from Adam and he's quoting returns and whatnot. We're going to talk about that a little later. Don't overpromise your investors. Instead, focus on building a relationship. Ignorance of the law, ladies and gentlemen, ignorance of the law does not excuse you from having to follow it. Here's the deal. If you break the law, they're coming to get you. You got a lot of people sitting in Tallahassee and all over the state of Florida, all, all through the federal government collecting paychecks. Their job is to regulate. They take their job very seriously. Don't call Cliff after you've already done all the dumb mistakes because you were too cheap to pay him for some counsel. Pick up the phone. It is much cheaper, and I'm sure he will agree, to pay him now for good, solid advice than to pay him later to keep you out of the clink. Is that, is that fair, Cliff? I would say that is fair. When it comes to compliance with the securities laws, you've heard that old saying, it's better to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. That doesn't apply here. Amen. <laughs> There's very little forgiveness. That's for sure. Lastly, we talked about, uh, we, if you want to review the last couple of sessions, you can do that. If you're registered, you can go watch the recorded sessions. We did talk about self-directed IRAs. This is coming up a lot recently. We talked about $7.4 trillion are invested in IRAs, yet less than 5% are self-directed. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're investing in real estate, it is your job to educate people on how they can open a self-directed IRA. Introduce them to an IRA administrator. Uh, Megan Galane, if you're in the Tampa Bay area, is an IRA administrator. Uh, she works for Mountain West IRA. You've got Advanta IRA. You've got New View IRA. These are all in the Tampa Bay area. If you're anywhere else in the country, type in your zip code and IRA administrator, and you will find an IRA administrator in your market. Make friends with them. When you do make financial friends, ladies and gentlemen, it's important that you take the time to educate them. I have people walk up to me on a regular basis and say, Tyler, I've listened to your show. I've listened to this, listened to that. I want to go ahead and invest in your next project. Well, who do I write the checkout to? My next response is stop the presses. Let's get to know each other. Let's develop a relationship. I need to take the time uh, to get to know you. You need to get the time to, to get to know me. And we have to understand, number one, are you accredited or not accredited? What's your investor identity? What makes sense for you? You won't get an answer out of me if you come up and say, what kind of return can you get me on my money? The answer is probably going to be, chances are I can't unless we take the time to build a relationship. It's very important that I understand what your goals are. As, as somebody that wants to invest capital into an opportunity, I need to understand what your goals are. And sometimes I can't meet those goals and that's fine. Always, always, always play by the rules. Ladies and gentlemen, if you play by the rules, you will eliminate your competition. I can tell you that there is a very small number of people like me in the Tampa Bay area. I follow the rules to the letter. I follow the rules absolutely to the letter. Therefore, I have very little competition in the marketplace because everybody else is doing things the wrong way. They're taking unnecessary risk. They're spooking their potential financial friends. You want to do business with me, you have to talk to my legal team. You have to talk to my taxation team. We're going to make sure that things are done right. That eliminates my competition. If you do things the right way, you will not have competition because in America, we're lazy, right? Everybody wants the quick way. They want it yesterday. They want it tomorrow. If you take the time to do it right, you're going to avoid a lot of that extra competition that you would normally have. So don't be in a rush. Remember, think of this as dating. Uh, this is not, a, you know, this is eventually going to be a marriage. That's how, what raising capital is all about. And you don't ask that pretty girl up to the altar on the first date. Feed your financial friends first and eliminate your competition. Facts, guys. Absolute facts. Great book on the subject of self-directed IRAs uh, is here on the screen. It's written by one of my other attorneys who's a special, he specializes in uh, self-directed IRAs exclusively. That is his niche. His name is Matt Sorensen. He is one of the attorneys that even the IRS reaches out to from time to time for questions on their own law. He is by, by all means, in my opinion, he is an expert in the craft in regarding self-directed IRAs. If you want to pick up his book, you can get it on Amazon or you can go to sdirahandbook.com. That's selfdirectedirahandbook.com. That's his website. You can also get, he's got some good information on there. So it's worth getting on his mailing list if you're not already. So Cliff, thank you for taking the time out of your day to come join us. My pleasure. 
first of all. And ladies and gentlemen, I can't say this enough, how important it is to have good, competent counsel on your team. It is absolutely critical. I spend a lot of time and effort finding the right people to represent myself, represent my partners, making sure that things are done the right way. Cause I've been on the, the, the verge of the other way. Here's the thing. If you want advice, when it comes to matters of law, taxation, finance, whatever, don't listen to the guy at the RIA meeting. Nothing wrong with RIA meetings. There's lots of good people. Tampa Bay has probably got some of the best RIA meetings, RIA clubs in the country, in my opinion. However, there's the advice that comes from those meetings is not necessarily expert advice when it comes to law and taxation, unless it's an accountant or an attorney standing up at the meeting. So take the time to ask questions. So Cliff, I got some questions that have come from my audience over the last couple of weeks. People ask me a lot, Cliff, they go to the local media meetings. They want to stand up and tell people they can give them a return for their money. What are your thoughts on that? As you have indicated, you know, it's probably best not to be talking about the types of returns that, that, that you can produce to complete strangers. There's nothing illegal or inappropriate about talking about your company and the things that your company does. But once you start talking about the securities or the investments that your company has to offer in a group setting of that nature where you're, you're, you could be amongst total strangers, then that could be deemed a general solicitation, which is highly illegal under both state and federal law. There are exemptions from registration for securities when, that you may offer from time to time uh, when you're, you're selling unregistered securities. And these exemptions have specific rules. And one of the rules under both state and federal law is that you cannot engage in what's called a general solicitation. And that generally includes uh, soliciting people at seminars or uh, RIA meetings, as you, you've indicated. That could very well be deemed a general solicitation. So I imagine Facebook kind of falls under the same thing. A lot of people, I see them posting on Facebook. I see them posted on Craigslist right here in Tampa Bay. Um, I can get you, contact me. I can get you a 12% return on your money. I see it on Facebook. Same issue. Absolutely. The private transaction exemption laws on both the state and the federal level prohibit general solicitations. That means includes advertising, uh, print media, radio, television, any type of uh, social media and, and understand that the, the SEC has people that their sole job is to read social media and print media to look for advertisements about the sale of unregistered securities. Um, so there's somebody out there, Big Brother is watching on a daily basis. And, you know, like I told you uh, yesterday, the, the, the most, one of the most absurd forms of, of general solicitation that, that I've seen in my career was somebody came to me after they had been contacted by FDLE and uh, they were advertising their securities offering on the placemat at a hot dog, sta uh, hot dog stand. <laughs> so awesome. that is a general solicitation and it violates the law. <laughs> what pains me is that I see people feeling like they're not going to get caught. Nobody's going to pay attention. Everybody does it. I see it all the time. It's on Facebook. It's on, it's on uh, Craigslist. It's, it's whatever. And then I ask them and they say, well, I've never heard of anybody getting in trouble. I said, I, I want you to repeat the first few words of what you just said. I've never heard from anybody. You're right. You didn't because they're sitting in federal prison somewhere. The government went in, swooped in and took them away. This stuff is not just on movies, ladies and gentlemen. They don't play when it comes to this. This is why people like Cliff have a job uh, is to, because the government isn't, they're playing to win. I mean, you, you try to take advantage. They feel you're taking advantage of the public. Cliff, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're violating the rules, the enforcement is, can be swift and fierce. I mean, there's, there's no, there's no dance beforehand. It, it's right to the end of the prom. Isn't that about right? Absolutely. And, and if, if it is something, if the conduct catches the attention of the Securities and Exchange Commission and they believe that there's a violation of the federal securities laws, they'll trot right into federal court um, without your knowledge before they ever contact you and get an injunction 
from a federal judge that freezes your bank accounts. And when I say freeze, I mean, you don't, you're not able to withdraw a penny, not even a penny. And that does kind of put a damper on uh, household expenses and and things of that nature. They'll, they'll shut down your business, shut down your, your, your bank accounts, which you, you, you can't live. It's that simple. So let's say I just go ahead and ignore your advice and I go ahead and put an ad on Facebook and they come in and freeze my accounts. You'll, you'll represent me anyway, right? Just because I'm a nice guy. The whole, my account being frozen thing won't stop you from representing me. Right. (laughs) Uh, No, there's got to be an attorney. Uh, It it will. And generally if you're talking about federal court litigation nowadays, I would imagine, I mean, I would not get involved in a federal court securities litigation matter for less than a $25,000 retainer. It is very expensive to litigate in federal court and to defend. So note for those of you that choose to ignore the advice you learned today, step one, write a check for about $50,000. Go ahead and send it over to Cliff. Now you're going to need 25 for him to represent you and the other 25. So he can feed you while he's busy getting your, your, your rear end out of the, out of a tight spot. So think about that. And what's funny is the people that break the laws are the people that don't have, afford to have the money to hire an attorney to get them out of hot water in the first place. Makes my mind shudder, but whatever. So we hear a lot about accredited investors versus non-accredited investors. And, and I'm not, this is your day to teach, not mine. So I, wanna, I want your opinion. What's the difference between an accredited investor and a non-accredited investor? Well, an accredited investor is... Uh, I'll talk about on, on a personal level first before talking about entities, but it is a person that has an annual income of $200,000 for the past two years with the reasonable expectation of having the same amount in the current year. And, and that excludes their home or that person has a million dollars of net worth exclusive of their home. If they are going to be investing with their spouse, the $200,000 number is $300,000. So then if you're talking about an entity like a corporation or an LLC, that entity must have a, 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 a net worth of uh, $5 million or each of its owners is accredited as well. And that's important because uh, when you, you're, you're talking about selling unregistered securities and complying with state and federal securities laws, they're in the Regulation D series of rules and under Florida law, um, under our Securities and Investor Protection Act, there is a limit to the number of unaccredited investors that you can sell to. And that limit is 35 per offering. So when I prepare documents for clients that that are engaging in a securities offering. One of the documents is an investor questionnaire where the investor themselves makes the representation as to whether they are accredited or not. And if you are uh, in a Reg D 506B type offering, you're allowed as the issuer to rely upon the representations of that investor. So if you're talking about crowdfunding under 506C, then the, uh, then the due diligence on the part of the issuer goes a bit farther. I understand the difference, the accredited versus non-accredited, but can we get in trouble, so to speak? And I, and I hear this from time to time. People say, well, you can get in trouble if you, if you uh, raise capital from non-accredited investors. On its face, you, you can sell unregistered securities to non-accredited or unaccredited investors, as long as you otherwise comply with the limitations. There's nothing illegal about that if you're complying with all of the other elements of the private securities transaction exemption laws. And as I mentioned a moment ago, one of those limitations is in any particular offering, you cannot sell to more than 35 unaccredited investors. That's the limit. One of the things that that we talked about uh, previously uh, was the concept of integration. If you are selling, if you have a couple of offerings uh, that that you have engaged in under Florida law, 
if you're selling to unaccredited investors, once you terminate an offering, you have to wait six months to start a new offering. If, if basically it's the same issuer. Otherwise, what can happen is the securities regulators can integrate those two offerings. And let's say that you sold to 25 unaccredited investors in offering A, and then you close that offering. Three months later, you start offering B, and you sell to 25 more unaccredited investors. Uh, the regulators could say, basically, that's that's the same offering and we're going to integrate those two. Oh, and by the way, now you've sold to 50 unaccredited investors and you've exceeded the 35 number, which means the uh, transaction exemption under Florida law is not available to you. And you just violated our securities laws. Ladies and gentlemen, you can see here that this, as we progress the, the law, the understanding of it becomes more complex. Now, you and I, ladies and gentlemen, are out trying to do deals. We're negotiating deals, trying to get things under contract, trying to do what we have to do, trying to get things to the closing table. We can't be good at all of it. It's just not possible. Hell, I'm not good at most of it. I'm good at negotiating. I bring people on to advise me that are good at it. For example, I have a contract question this afternoon that I need. I got a lot of things going on this afternoon because I've been down on my internet for three days. I'm going to look at a property this afternoon with some partners of mine that we're probably going to buy, but there are some questions with the contract, some concerns where I need an additional addendum, some verbiage put into the contract to better protect ourselves as the buyer. Now I could sit down and think out what that's going to be. Hope that I get it right while I'm focusing on other things, or I could pick up the phone. I call Sean Yesner. He's my real estate attorney. Sean, here's what I'm trying to accomplish the end, or I send them an email. I let him figure out the right way to do it. He types, has it all typed out as a secretary, types it all, type it all out, sends it to my step to me. I sign it. They send it off to the seller. One less thing I got to worry about. Same thing. Cliff is our corporate counsel in regards to raising money, securities and exchange compliance and all that. I don't have to think about all this compliance stuff. I say, I call Cliff and I start teaching an email and going, I'm working with Tom Jones. Tom Jones has 500,000. He wants to invest. I just met Tom Jones. What's next? And he gives me a punch list of the things that I need to do to be compliant. And then I just follow his instruction to the letter and I'm good to go. Now I don't have to worry about everything. I don't have to be juggling all these different balls because I could just pick up the phone or drop an email to him. I keep my attorneys on retainer for that purpose. They're the ones that are supposed to do the thing. And I just negotiate with people. That's, that's my job. So that leads me to the Facebook thing is probably a hot button of mine. I, I, I see a lot of people that I care about doing this. And, and, but that said, I understand you can't advertise a return, but Facebook and all these different advertising mediums are very effective for meeting other people, regardless of the end result, whether it be raising capital or whatever, but is it acceptable to, to put an ad on Facebook, a general ad saying, um, I help busy doctors, learn how to escape the rat race, uh, reach out and, and find out more information. And then I use that as a way to start to build a relationship with them. What's, what's your opinion on that methodology? As long as you're not advertising and offering of securities, there's nothing in, inappropriate with that. You're, you're explaining the nature of your business and, and that's perfectly legal where people cross the line is they say, and you said, you would say, you know, I hope you get out of the rat race by um, helping you, you know, invest in, in this or that. And by the way, I can get you X number of dollars in a return or a percent of, of a return uh, when you buy my company's securities, that's crossing the line. So in a case where I, let's just say I want to buy a mobile home and the mobile home costs 20 grand. And the only problem is I happen to be $19,999 short of having the cash that I need to buy the mobile home. So then I find a, a, somebody on Facebook that I know, one of my Facebook friends, and I've never met them, but we've, we've talked back and forth on chat and whatnot. And they ask what I'm doing because they hear all about this. And they say, geez, Tyler, if you ever have an opportunity comes up, it makes sense. Let me know. I'd be interested. So at that point, here's this opportunity. And now I've, 
I've established a relationship with them. We've known each other for a year, let's say. We're, we're friends, uh, for lack of a better term. And they've said to me they, they're interested if, if something comes up. So I talk to them. And what they tell me is they, they've got their, their money set in their checking account. And they want to partner with me on the deal. Um, they know what they're talking about because they've done this before. And they tell me that I'm good to go. We don't have to worry about anything provided that I give them a uh, equity position. In other words, if they become co-owner of this property with me, so they go on title with me, then I'm good to go. Is that kind of a true or a false thing from your perspective? Well, in that instance, there's probably an argument that they're not actually investing in a security because they're, they're on the deed, they're co-owner of, of the home. So uh, the more people that you get involved in a situation like that, on a particular piece of property, the, the close, the more that you get towards an argument that you, you have a common enterprise that they're investing in with the expectation of profits derived principally from the efforts of others. And that's the classic definition of an investment contract under the Howey test, which is a, a SEC versus JW Howey, which uh, was a case from here in Florida where people were investing in orange groves. But if you're talking about somebody that you're just doing a deal with where you're, you're joint, jointly owning a piece of property, both of your names are on the deed, the mortgage, and the promissory note, uh, you, you probably do not have a security there. So I think you're, you're probably good to go. Okay, cool. And, and you know, let me, let me throw in the caveat here uh, that, you know, my, my answers to your questions are, you know, in this type of setting are, I'm trying to be as general as possible. And that even the slightest fact in real life settings could, could alter, you know, the actual opinion that you get from a securities lawyer, because these matters are so factually intensive. So, uh, you know, what, what we're talking about here this, this morning is fine for just, you know, a general view of, you know, the application of securities laws to the matters that, that, that you're bringing up. But, uh, you know, any set of facts should be run by a securities lawyer uh, to make certain that, that those facts are focused on in, in applying the securities laws as opposed to just general, general securities knowledge. That makes sense. I have a lot of people tell me that what keeps them from success in real estate is they don't have the money. I don't have any money and therefore I, I'm never going to make it real estate because I don't have any money. Well, okay, fine. I don't agree with that logic, but it is what it is. So in a general sense, let's say I find a guy named Joe. We have a, an established relationship. We spent time knowing each other. He says to me, well, you have the experience. I have money. Let's together go hire somebody like Cliff Hunt to represent us that person funds the legal bill, the, the, the attorney and the, and the tax people. And I provide the experience. Is that a viable strategy? I mean, from, from your perspective, is there, that's not really a security, is it? I mean, in that case, if we're well, talking, it, 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 it's a very viable strategy. I have clients that are doing that right now. Um, what then you decide to do once you partner up with somebody like that, the, 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 the means or the manner in which you invest the money and the vehicles that you choose, that's where the securities laws come into play. And, and, or, or maybe they don't, it, it just, it just depends on the particular facts of the situation, but having somebody with the, the knowledge in real estate and then uh, a partner who has the capital to fund the ventures, um, it, it happens all the time. Right. Absolutely. It's not, there's nothing inappropriate about that. Yesterday when we were talking, we were talking on getting you set up. We talked, you had mentioned felony. And sometimes I forget about that, that some of these, there are felonies. You can easily commit a felony in regards to raising capital the wrong way. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yesterday we talked about three day right of rescission and, and about a felony. Sure. Kind of readdress that. Sure. With the three day right of rescission is one of the elements of the 
private transaction exemption under Florida law that's found in Chapter 517 of our Florida statutes. Um, you must provide a prospective investor with a three-day right of rescission. Um, and that three-day period begins when they tender their funds or when they are provided with that written notice, whichever later occurs of those two. And that is one of the, that is one of the mistakes that I've seen over the years from people who come to me after they've been contacted by securities regulators is they don't provide the three-day right of rescission. And without that, the exemption from registration under Florida law uh, for the sale of unregistered securities is not available. So what does that mean? Well, if it's not available and there's no other exemption that you can rely on as an issuer or a principle of an issuer, you have violated the Florida Securities and Investor Protection Act, and that is a third-degree felony under Florida law. If you have sold to five or more people with an aggregate investment amount of $50,000 or more, that becomes a first-degree felony under Florida law. And that means um, uh, serious potential incarceration, one of the, the problems then uh, becomes you have this history and you will never be able to engage in private transactions, private sales of securities again, because now you're subject to what they call the bad boy exclusions uh, that preclude you from relying on transaction exemptions. So it's, it's uh, quite serious. So I, I, I want to make sure people got that you get, you violate the law to this degree it is possible that you can be legally prevented from ever getting yourself involved in, in raising capital again. That is correct. You're done. You're, you're done, done. You're going to go figure out how to flip burgers or something. That's correct. And, and if you, even if you choose to try and do that, uh, the disclosure that you would have to make that, yes, I have been the subject of, um, a court order or an administrative order um, or a, a conviction for securities registration violations, investors will run from you. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I would think so. And you, you had talked about, you blew, kind of blew me away the other day. We were talking about um, under Form D, there are provisions to where finder's fees can be paid can you talk about that as far as the uh, the rules regarding the finder's fees? Yeah, on, when people rely on uh, Securities and Exchange Commission Regulation D, um, there is what you have to do within 15 days of your first sale in an offering under Regulation D is you, you have to file what's called a Form D with the SEC. You have to obtain, you have to obtain Edgar codes from the SEC, um, which is a process in and of itself. Um, then you, you complete their online form and you file that. And one of the, as, as we discussed, one of the prohibitions in state and, state and federal law against uh, when you're selling unregistered securities is you cannot pay a commission to any person or entity that is not licensed as a broker or a dealer under, you know, securities broker or dealer under state and federal law. However, you can pay a finder's fee. And on the Form D itself, there is a, there's a, a place to identify finder's fees that have been paid. So it's, it, it, it is legal. You Typically, it's a flat fee for an introduction. The, the fee cannot be dependent upon whether the person ultimately invests or not. And it, it, it cannot, it should not be a percentage of what they've invested. Um, it, it, 
doesn't take a great deal of imagination to be able as a regulator to be able to do backwards math and figure, Oh, well, he invested a hundred thousand dollars and the finder's fee was 5,000. Oh, so you're paying a 5% commission, right? So a flat fee for introductions um, is, is not inappropriate. Okay. There was a, you had added to there, I believe we talked about, but it has to be to all across the board, correct? Otherwise I can't do it to Tom, pay Tom, but but for the lead for Jimmy, Jimmy, because Jimmy decided to invest, I'm going to pay Tom for that. But when Susan doesn't invest, she doesn't get the 500 bucks. Correct. Yes. It it, it cannot, the, 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 the finder fee cannot be dependent. Payment of the fee cannot be dependent on whether the person actually invests. So guys, those of you, ladies and gentlemen, this is the thing, because I know after this interview, my phone, I brought this up on purpose because I know my phone's going to blow up. Oh my God, I can get a referral fee, finder's fee, whatever. Here's now, the thing. Let, me, let me just add to that. I typically counsel my clients not to do it. The payment of a finder's fee is not per se illegal, but it raises eyebrows and it may get the attention of a regulator. And we don't like to even have them asking questions. Um, and, and so I, I typically counsel clients not to do it. I agree. My take on it is this, as a, as a person out there in the field doing, doing the job, raising capital, it would be difficult for me to maintain my business if I had to pay everybody that said, called John, he might invest in your deal. Um, it wouldn't make financial sense. I, I would be able to maybe offer my investors a negative two return <laughs> to make that work. That said, um, you know, the fact that it's, ask yourself this question, if you're going to be that type of person that's going to ask for the referral fee, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to ask for that, that finder's fee or whatever you want to call it. Are you okay with the person you're referring knowing that? Because if we're going to go down that road, besides being a, a licensed agent, I'm, I'm always operate from a basic, a, a basis of ethics. In other words, regardless of what my attorney tells me, I'm still going to do, I over disclose. That's just my nature. That's who I am as a, as a investor in the field. That's who I am as a licensed agent. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, if you refer Tom Jones to me, I'm going to tell Tom Jones in writing that that you have asked for this amount of money, this fee in exchange for the relationship. Um, are you in a position to be okay with that? Because I'm not going to catch you by surprise to date. And I've been doing this 18 years. I've never had anybody be okay with it. Oh no, I don't want them to know. So ask yourself if you don't want the potential financial friend that you're introducing me to, to know that you're making a buck off of this is even asking appropriate. What value are you bringing? to the equation. So just kind of think of that from a mindset perspective. Uh, that said, you know, you can put yourself in a position to be involved and, and Cliff, please feel free to jump in if I'm incorrect here. But if Tom has knows somebody has capital to, to invest and happens to know me, maybe that, that Tom comes to me and says, Hey, I would like to maybe be involved in your next deal. Um, in some regard, and maybe you could be included in a deal with us in some shape, way, or form. You could manage the property. You could be helping with acquisitions. There's other things you can do besides just refer somebody. You could be a, a, somebody working in the deal. You could be involved in the deal. Is that legitimate, Cliff? And from your opinion, do you feel any conflict with that? Um, I have no problem with that. Okay. So there you go, guys. If you, you got a, somebody that you, you, you're new to this and you're looking for some guidance, just get involved in a deal. Number one, you're going to learn. And my mentor taught me, and this is the God's honest truth. You do your first deals for experience. You do the rest of them for profit. And, and you should really be doing all your deals for experience. And as you continue to grow, the best way I learn is to get involved. And the, one of the ways I learned is to get involved in other people's deals where I wasn't the guy in the middle. I was just a guy doing a lot of the work. And in some cases I did a lot of work for free. 
but uh, not saying you have to do that, but by any means, get involved in these deals. Roll your sleeves up, ask to get involved. The education you get is far better than hiring some guru at 200 grand to uh, give you the secret sauce so you can go out and make a gajillion dollars off of flipping mobile homes or whatever it is you do. Um, all one asked, what are the best places to meet? I guess PL is private lenders outside of real estate meetings. I'll go ahead and answer that one. Cliff, you don't mind is the answer is everywhere. Uh, when people on the back of my t-shirts, I don't have one handy, but it says, have you ever considered getting involved in real estate investing? Do you have any idea how many leads that brings me? I just opened up a store online and I'll post it in, um, the Facebook group this afternoon, actually I posted the other day to give you guys the opportunity to buy those shirts. It says it's got my logo on the front. Cause yes, I am going to be a billboard. I am that guy in the back. It says, have you ever considered getting involved in real estate investing? That starts conversations, ladies and gentlemen, that gets uh, the phone ringing that gets people tap me on the shoulder going, yeah, I have considered getting involved in real estate investing. And what you'll find about capital is there are more people out there with money to invest than there are deals to invest in fact. Raising money is not rocket science. You just need to surround yourself with the right people to keep yourself compliant, keep it legal. Because your mindset should be, what is the best thing for my financial friend in this deal? How can I protect them as much as possible? And if that is your mindset, you're never going to have any problems. Because if you ever got called on the carpet for some sort of scrutiny, if your mindset is I've done everything in my power to make sure that my financial friend is well protected. I've given them the proper paperwork that was drafted by an attorney who has a focus in this type of uh, law. And I've vetted all my taxation things through a CPA or tax professional. And I've done everything the right way to protect everybody in the deal. Then you're not going to be, you're not going to have a problem. And if you did, I would be shocked if, if anything was to come from it because you mean good faith is good faith. Would you agree, Cliff? Yes, sir. I mean, at the end of the day, folks, it comes down to acting in good faith. You know, I, we hear a lot of things on the TV and the news and I'm not necessarily a believer that everything we see on the news is accurate, but I hear, I'm here to tell you there is no shortcuts. Okay. When it comes to raising capital, there are no shortcuts there. I don't care what the guru tells you or, somebody on Facebook posts or whatever. And if you just buy this one ebook or sign up for this webinar, then you'll get all the secrets to raising capital. The secrets are you need to be face to face, have a conversation with people, surround yourself with the right players. Cliff, if somebody's out in Vegas and they want to raise capital, can they pick up the phone and call you to do that? Absolutely. I have clients all over the United States. Okay. Um, and, uh, Canada and the UK as well. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't say that you don't know who to hire. I got him right here. He's my attorney. If he's good enough for me, he's certainly good enough for you because I can tell you, I've been through enough bad team members to know a good one when I see them. So this is why I have Cliff. This is why I have Cliff and Sean Yesner and on, on my team because they keep me looking good. They keep me out of trouble. They keep me profitable. This is the key. It's, it's just like Alex just said, building power teams is so important as I can come into a market. I could tear some stuff up. We're getting ready with cliff to start a new fund. Watch out. Yeah. We're going to do some great things. We're going to, we're going to, we've got some great plans coming down the road, down the pike here or the summer where you're going to see a lot of things going on in the Tampa Bay market that have my, my fingers in them and um, things that we've been planning for quite a while that we're finally in a position to do them now. So surround yourself with people that are doing the right things. Okay. That's what I want you to take away from this. I want you to surround yourself with the people that are doing the right things. If you're somebody that is looking to invest with somebody else, do the, do the due diligence on them. And I don't mean just simply Google searching them, dig into public records, pull their criminal history. Okay you should be introduced to the legal team. You should understand who's, who's helping them, who's giving them their advice, the tax persons. In other words, if you want to invest with me, I would completely expect for you to ask for me who's, my, who, who's handling my, my legal affairs in this regard. Who's handling, who's giving me my tax advice? 
understanding who I'm working with is a great reflection on who I am. Because if I'm dealing with some ambulance chaser or some, if I'm dealing with a paralegal or somebody that's not hundred percent qualified to do the task, you should be concerned about investing with me. If you, if I if I say, Oh, we don't need attorneys or we don't need a CPA. I got it. I read the book. I got some books right behind me on the shelf. They talk all about taxes. Tom Wheelwright, great author, CPA, right? Don't take my advice. Take the advice of a professional. We covered the, where's a great place to meet people. It's absolutely everywhere. Cliff, thank you so much for taking the time to come out today. I uh, appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you got some good value out of this today. Cliff, how can uh, people reach out to you? What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to look into taking the next steps? Um, I have a website. It's www.huntlawgrp.com. Um, my email is cjh at huntlawgrp.com. And my telephone is 727-471-0444. Um, if you Google me, I'm on, on the internet. Uh, Clifford Hunt is uh, just through Google. You can find me that way as well. www.huntlawgrp.com. Huntlawgrp.com. Get over to my group at uh, cashflowguys.com forward slash group. You can see recordings in there, or you can simply register, be notified the next time we do one of these calls. It's every Friday at nine o'clock for the next few weeks. After that, we're going to be switching up to 11 o'clock. That's when we become a TV show. Want to register for that? Get more information on it. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash coffee. That's cashflowguys.com forward slash coffee. Again, Cliff, thank you so much for reaching out. Ladies and gentlemen, have a profitable weekend. Get out there and make some cash flow. Get out there and learn to earn. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashFlowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.